On this week's NFV SDN Reality Check, we speak with AT&T to get an update on its NFV and SDN deployment plans. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Hello and welcome to this week's NFE SDN Reality Check. I'm your host, Dan Meyer, Editor-in-Chief here at RCR Wireless News. Thanks for joining us this week. Well, AT&T has been at the forefront of telecom operators in their moves toward virtualized platforms. The carrier announced late last year plans to have up to 75% of its network controlled by SDN and NFE by 2020, which is a pretty aggressive move for a large telecom operator. Since then, the, the operator has provided a lot of insight and updates on its moves towards virtualized platforms including earlier this year announcing that it had up to 5% of its network already controlled with a virtualized platform. We recently spoke with Margaret Chiosi, who's the lead network architect for AT&T at the CTIA Supermobility event in Las Vegas, to get some more insight into what the carrier's been doing in terms of those deployment plans, as well as uh, some insight into some challenges and partnerships she sees the company in need of in terms of its continued move towards virtualization. Let's take a look at that video interview now. Hi again, I know I'm kind of keeping up to date with you guys on your um, I guess, I, I mean, you guys obviously have been pretty aggressive. I know you announced last year, you know, the plans for uh, having 75% of the network uh, virtualized. I guess, how's the progress going along with, with that? I know you guys have kind of yeah, so, so the goal is, you know, 75% of yeah. our network to be more of an SDN virtualization cloud, right, mm -hmm. by 2020. And so our goal, our target was 5% this year, and we're on track for that. Yeah. Um, so things are going well on the initial 5%. Have you guys found like, any sort of challenges? I mean, obviously, it's oh, kind wow. of really the process. Oh, wow. <laughs> of course. There's lots of challenges. If, if it was easy, we would be done, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I've been telling people we have probably about four challenges, maybe okay. three, depending on how you group it. So the first challenge is to, as you go from a vendor-specific, ASIC-specific um, appliance, to now a cost environment to get the throughput performance that you want. So that's the first challenge. The second challenge is once you virtualize, things can move around, you can grow, you can shrink, and so forth. Um, so you want full automation. Mm -hmm. So buried under their full automation, uh, there's a lot there. The industry does not have a common framework for full automation. So if I go to vendor A for full automation platform, it's their version mm -hmm. of an implementation. And if I go, want to go to vendor B, I have to like move the whole enchilada. It can't mix and match. So that's one of the other challenges, to come up with a framework, a common framework of all the components that will allow us to fully automate <clears throat> and to be able to mix and match different vendors or different open source pieces mm -hmm. of that. Uh, so that's the second challenge, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then the third is where you end up um, having an, a, a virtual application get re-optimized or be optimi optimized um, on a virtualized platform. Mm -hmm. A lot of the vendors today are taking, if they existed before, they had they, they had their physical function and they migrated to a cost environment, but they basically did not re-architect their um, app. Mm -hmm. They, of course, changed the drivers because now they went from their drivers to maybe a cost driver. Um, and then try to tweak with all these different, you know, DBDKs and so forth of the world, SROV, for performance, but they haven't changed the whole structure of the app. And part of the throughput problems might be the app has to get redesigned. Mm -hmm. For example, 
Um, they might end up going through user space, kernel space, user space, kernel space, back and forth. If you look at life of a data packet, and they might not need to do that. And, and so if you're going from user space to, um, to um, kernel space back and forth, your throughput might drop to like one-tenth, if even worse. And maybe if you optimize it so you stay in user space, you go only go into kernel space once, maybe you get to maybe 80%. And your, your requirements aren't as high as before. So, so that, I would say, is probably the third area. Well, I put down okay. auto, full automation, and then I bury in the framework, um, a common framework as part of that full automation. Okay, okay. But it does seem like that's got to be a huge challenge, because again, it does seem like we're going to have to talk on top as well. Like, there's still so much uh, fluidity in what the standards are going to be, and working together in it. Yeah. You guys are trying to actually make stuff uh, work in an environment. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be just uh, frustrating, or is it uh, challenging, or I mean... I mean well, my background is I came from Bell Labs, so okay. it's always challenging. We, frustration. My personality has always been that I never like things that were all laid out. To me, they're very boring because then you optimize. I always like the new where nothing's structured and then it's like, oh, wow, how do we get this thing to work and this get structured? Yes, it's a big challenge. Um, so AT&T, when we, when we went down this path, we realized to truly meet our aspirational goals, we would have to develop this ourselves. We would have to design it ourselves. We have to develop ourselves because the industry wasn't there yet, and it's still not there yet. We don't have the standard framework. We don't have well, we don't stand and we don't have all the open source pieces. People are all over the place on how they want to do this, how they want to design it, and we had to get going. We have a target for 2020, and we could not wait. Mm -hmm. The good thing about us doing it ourselves, it helps us understand what the framework should look like, mm -hmm. how it should work. And so in some sense, we're taking what's happening internally, and in fact, I'm taking what's happening internally. Once we recognize what the common framework should be for certain pieces, then I go out in the industry and basically give them my view of what we think it should be. And since we're so far ahead of a lot of the other carriers in the space, um, people are starting to listen because they're not as far along, to mm -hmm. be fair. Um, and, and, you know, I don't get really prescriptive about it. It's very high-level functional blocks of what we're trying to do to just get people to think about it a certain way. And a few of our, the things that I've proposed, people have come up and said, wow, this really helps because it's just all over the place. And I say, yeah, I know that. Um, but I'm waiting for anyone to counter us to say, no, 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 this is a better framework. I mean, we're willing to look at better frameworks. But we're there, people are not as far along as us. Um, and it's a challenge. I mean, that's the reason why we created OPNFE. This is the open platform for NFE. And um, in fact, I'm president of it. But we created it because you have all these different building blocks, some open, some proprietary. And there was no one place to try to really pull this together and, and try to get it to work. I mean, you look. There was no one organization. You have an open stack world that's focused on their piece. You have the open daylight world focused on the piece. Owners focused on their cloud foundry. I mean, it's just everyone all over the place. No one's pulling it together. And we, as end users, needed to be pulled together because we—that's it has to work. We can't just use open stack and nothing else. Mm -hmm. We need all these pieces to work together. And so we're well. I mean, that's our our value proposition. You know, I was asking about Austin's organization, developing that these are a prime example of that. It does seem like there are so many organizations out there that are popping up. It seemed like for a while there was a new one every week, uh, you know, doing something different, a smaller slice of the pie, basically. Yes. Uh, but like I said, this seemed like it was kind of a frustrating situation because, again, you were doing certain things, but now it's looking at the big picture. 
Is that kind of the key right now to be able to obviously work on small slices, but also make sure that... Well, just like, well, just like I mean, you know, just like when you roll out anything, let's say, you know, at t is going to develop, well, we are developing everything ourselves. You always have people in core competencies, yeah. right? You can't have everyone looking at the big picture. So you always have the SMEs that are involved in certain pieces. Well, that's the same thing happening in the industry. So you have IO Advisor that's focused on data plane acceleration. You have DBDK focused on the, um, I would say, PCI type of, uh, data plane acceleration. You have the ODP focus on the SOC um, data plane acceleration. You have OVS, you know, uh, open resource. I mean, just, everyone has their core competency, and so the industry should have that. Mm -hmm. The problem is for people like us, we need it all to work together, and so no one's focused on that. And we actually, as carriers and as end users, even the enterprise companies, I mean, we, we have a vested interest on getting it all to work. Um, and vendors are, because it's not open, then they put their spin on it, it's all proprietary. So if you really want to be able to move from one vendor to another, I mean, it's not there yet. Yeah. And so that's the danger of you know, focusing on one vendor and using a vendor implementation. Um, that's why at t is trying to build it ourselves. But we recognize our fellow carriers, they might not have the depth that we have on the developers, so they sort of have no choice, which is fine. But in the meantime, we have carriers very active or users very active in OPNFE because the goal is to eventually get to some open framework so that we can actually have more choice in how we customize our um, platform that we create for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, but it's going to be great, though, to be, like you're saying, kind of be part of the initial run of this because you, are, you do have that kind of influence over how it's all going to be, you know, how it's all going to look going forward. And obviously, you guys, Telemonic, that's pretty aggressive. Mm -hmm. You can go from all these, you know, three or four carriers. I mean, I talk to vendors. They always bring you guys up as, yeah, they're really driving this. Well, if you look at the folks who originally started the Etsy ICNFE, so AT&T was there, Verizon was there. I mean, I mean, um, who is it? It was AT&T, Verizon, uh, BT, Telefonica, uh, Orange, DT, um, and then Docomo came, you know, quickly. Well, and then a whole slew of people yeah. came quickly, you know, Vodafone, Docomo, and so forth. Um, and then everyone went to their own pace of. Um, of um, going down this track. So I know Vod uh, Docomo is very, very, it's quickly pivoting to this because they have the Japanese uh, mandate because of the tsunami. Yeah. That actually forced them to go very, very quickly. Yeah. So. Does it seem like the collaborative <clears throat> efforts between the operators is, is, is still a very, I guess, collective effort? Oh, it's definitely. Like, definitely. You know, also, the marketing side is always rivalry, but it seems like at least Oh, yeah, because, because a lot of the folks involved in the open source and a lot of people involved in the standards arena a lot of them are either standards people or research people, um, and well, I mean, I mean, on, on the carriers or the yeah. end user side. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, the SCI's GNV was so successful in that collaboration that um, I don't know. We just know each other so well that it's very comfortable. In fact, you see people moving around to different companies. Some have even moved to vendors. Some of the vendors moved to carriers. And so it's the same folks that show up to these meetings. And so it's just they've got different hats. And it's the same group that's still working it, just a different angle. So. Yeah. But again, it doesn't like, I see from the vendor side, they'll also be collaborative because it still seems like, you know, I was talking to Nokia last week, and they were, you know, they have their own way of trying to do things. The vendors, what I'm noticing, and this happened even in the standards world, mm -hmm. the vendors are competitive with each other, and there's some groups that trust each other and some groups that don't for whatever reason. Um, and there's just different people trust each other and different people don't. So there's a history. Uh, and I find as end users, we are needed 
good and bad, um, to help make sure that the true spirit of what we're trying to do um, gets solved. So for example, just last week, we had an, uh, a DBDK and an ODP little meeting. It was, it, turned, it was supposed to be originally three of us, turned into 10 of us. Um, and I'm inviting uh, Cisco as a, a user of writing VNFs. I was like, when, when like seven of these DPDK ODP people were gonna show up, it was just me. And I don't write any VNFs, right? We buy VNFs. Um, I realized I needed a real VNF vendor to help really drive them. So I actually approached Cisco and they brought in excellent people who knew DBDK and ODP well. And we had an excellent, excellent meeting. In fact, we're gonna have follow-ups. So, and, and, and we were trying to get DBDK and ODP folks to work with each other for the last two years. And they just were having issues. So finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I said, okay, we're all gonna show up and I'm gonna be there. Um, I mean, the joke is I'm becoming the mother of the industry. Because <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, yeah, mother or, or, or what was the term that David Ward said? He's called, da, 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 David Ward called me the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, social engineer, the social, the open source social engineer. And I said, that sounds very sexist. He goes, well, no, it's not. It's a compliment because it's like bringing all these factions that aren't getting along for whatever reason mm -hmm. and putting in the prince, the business of why we're here. Mm -hmm. And it's very high level because I don't care. I've done so many technical things. I've seen the technical fights. And in the end, it turns out it doesn't matter half the time. It's just pick a path and fix it and just as an industry, go down it and just fix it as you go along. Right. I mean, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. I mean, there's obviously sure. certain things, but there's certain things that after a while, it's like give it up, just pick a path and let's get on with life. And so I just basically go through my simple principles and I just keep, re I keep re reinforcing it as they get off track. I say, wait a minute, just let's go back. This is what's needed. Are you helping the cause or not? And if it, no, then I say, give it up. I mean, so, and I, I, we do, I, I mean, I won't say it here, but I basically gave a very specific business reality on how this whole DBDK ODP thing should get approached, even though one faction might not have been thrilled. But then Cisco, without me even talking to them ahead of time, emphasized the exact same thing. So it sort of laid the foundation of really how we should operate as we go forward. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see. I mean, we just started. We had, you know, one day meeting. Everyone felt good. We'll see as we get to the next one sure, if sure. it falls apart. Yeah, yeah. And I'm getting pulled into more of yeah. these. I mean, I, I mean, we are so far removed as a user, but I am getting pulled into asking to show up on these pieces that really we're not really, I mean, we're not developing this stuff. Yeah, we're using you guys as being kind of the, you know, as, the customer at the end of the day, and you want to make sure you're going to happy and that thing you're Yeah, and, and there's, so, there's so many mistrust on some of these things that it's really sort of interesting. So yeah. that's the real value of the end user, to help really reinforce on what the value is to us, why certain things are important, and even how we want to migrate from one thing to another, because it's, 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 and it helps influence maybe on how they approach things, which they might not realize, because they're so down in the weeds, they really don't understand how we're really operationalizing anything, right? And so we give them the practical reality of life, and then they go, oh. I said, so, and I'm very simple, you either solve it or not, otherwise this is life and good luck. Um, so. Very nice, very good to do that. 
are you finding, uh, you guys did a really big part of bringing a lot of new names and new companies into kind of the telecom space. Oh, definitely. The program is a big part of, you know, yeah. Well, let me tell you how we started. So when we, I so I became an individual contributor three years ago, and I worked worked for a VP, uh, John Menemana, and he owned all the networking for all of AT&T, the mobility network, the you know wireline network, the access network, and so forth. And I always got into new technology. So he pulled me aside. I, I've been a manager for a long time. And he wanted me to look at new technology. So I told him I wanted to work on SDN and virtualization because um, that was the new thing. And at the time, we were looking at like, well, he's like, you know, that's like really drastic. But I just started evolving. Anyhow, when we created the Etsy ICE GNFE, um, we created it just to try to get a sense of how real this is. And the first meeting that we had in Nice was where I met a lot of these startups which actually ended up, some of them became part of Domain 2.0. Mm -hmm. Because, and I was shocked at what was already out there. Because of course we were always talking to the incumbents who were yes. like PNF vendors, right? Yes. Um, and it, I just started pulling them in. And then startups coming out of the woodwork started when they realized who in the Etsy ISG, uh, you know, the carriers would start, they, they saw our name, so of course then they would come after us. Mm -hmm. and, and anytime I, I would usually have one meeting with them and when I realized the value, Potential, I would pull them into um, um, Menomana's factory team, I call it, um, to really talk through the potential. And that started opening up our eyes into this. So, and then, and then, and then of course, you know, Domain 2.0 happened. And then, of course, you know, there was this whole push of, you know, trying to get certain vendors in that were not our normal vendors. And then, I guess the rest is history. They sort of um, ended up, some of them ended up <laughs> in our domain program. In fact, some of them were really shocked because they never saw at t move so fast. They go, Margaret, we just met with just you, you know? And the next you know, it's like three months later, and I started laughing. I said, hey, you know, I didn't appreciate how much power I had. But I, I mean, but, but it wasn't power. You know, it's just, it lined up. Everything, just, it was like that perfect storm. Um, and we, I was just fortunate enough that by doing that Etsy, the startups found my name. I would listen and I would bring some of them in. I didn't bring everyone, but we brought some of them in. We started having discussions with the factory side of the house. And then people started getting, you know, better ideas and so forth and how to use and then, you know, the rest of this history. So Yeah, I know the catalyst. Yeah, catalyst. the catalyst. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we created the Etsy ISG, and if we, we, our, the reason why we picked Etsy was they had this thing called an ISG, an independent study group, which is normally like 20 people. This is like hundreds now, right? But it allowed us to do whatever we wanted in organizing. You did not have to be a member of Etsy, which is expensive, because if you, if see, if you're at the other um, organization models under Etsy. You have to be a member, and you, you have to vote, and the only ones who can vote are members, and you've got to pay these thousands and thousands of dollars. And we wanted to create a forum where anyone can join, startups could join, because we realized they had no money. Startups could join, academia could join, anyone could join, and we wanted them to participate. We wanted them to have equal vo vo voice, so we could only, we decided we would do everything through consensus. Mm -hmm. Because once you vote, you had to be a member. Mm -hmm. So, but at least the ISG gave us a forum we could do that. And it was sort of ugly at times on this consensus because one person can hold up everything and then you had to work it out. But 
it was very effective. And so you had, and so it brought in the startups. They felt comfortable and be able to participate and be of equal voice and actually hear us. And then they had access to us, um, to the carriers and so forth. And so it was very, very useful. In fact, startups are constantly still, you know, going through that. Has there been a challenge to get those new guys uh, on board with kind of the requirements of the telecom operator? Because obviously, agency has a long history, you guys are here in grade, you guys have a certain level of quality to expect and virtualization. Um, it's kind of a different way to look at things. Yeah. I think those guys are maybe from the data center world. Well, some uh, of the startups you know? came from some of these incumbents. Okay. Right. I mean, if you look at a firm, look at, um, yeah. I, I mean, Hassan. I mean, sure. he was. I mean, I knew him when I owned ATM Concept Through Delivery. I knew him when he was Cascade. He was a Cascade CTO, and then he went to Sonus. So we had a great relationship with him on Sonus, and then you know he started. I mean, so I mean, even though it was firm virtualization, right, and so forth. I mean, yeah. and of course, he has Ron Park. I mean, there's all these folks that came from all his yeah. history. Yeah. So some of them have. I mean, in fact. A few of them. I and mean, Viata probably is the one that we probably didn't know. I mean, they came from a different space, yeah. um, not from the whole carrier space. But some of these other, I mean, Connectum came, some yeah. of the folks came from the carrier space. So it's just sort of sprinkled around. Okay. Um, well, I wouldn't say, I mean, a little challenge. Yeah, I mean, it depends, depending on the person, I mean, depending on the company and so forth yeah. and sort of structure. Um, but, I mean, it's been. Wonderful, I think, in some sense. I mean, for me, I've been for a couple of years now, just watching the rapid growth and expansion is just amazing. It's been a part of the industry that's just growing crazy. Well, we only came up with this at CISG like uh, three years ago. Yeah, three yeah, years and ago. Now, I mean, I mean and who would have thought, you know, six of us do, who would have thought? We just laugh. Six of us. Uh -huh. No funding needed. We just had to get travel approval. That was it. Because we're all members of Etsy. We just needed travel approval to do this thing. And the six of us started and, and like, look at this. And we're like, oh my God. So it's quite interesting. Well, I think you can really support from the top of you, can, you, know, you know, we got Brandon Stevenson talking about the need Yeah. But when we started this six years ago, we, I mean, six, three years ago, they didn't know any of this. Right? No, no, this is before we did domain. Domain 2.0 didn't exist when I started sure. this. Yeah. Well, I, I was put on the Domain 2.0 committee. So that's how I have this pivot, because I was already into this space. And so I actually introduced the ideas, and then the whole team really rallied around it, because it's so drastic. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the next rest is history, I guess. Well, I guess the timing, like, like, I see the timing is great, because even here at the show, we get a lot of 5G talk, and see like the timing of your deployment plans along with uh, where 5G is going to be, or the deployment plans, and obviously people only talk about 5G. Virtualization is hard. Oh, that, need that but if you look at if you look at the people who were are very engaged in the ISG NFE, mm -hmm. I would say I mean I'll make it up like a half are from the uh, mobility space. Mm -hmm. So they moved it up. I mean the ideas are um, you know just circulating. You had you had a core group mm -hmm. that really rallied around it, and then there's. It's, it's like, um, you know, this networking thing, you know, like LinkedIn, right? You have a core group, but then, you know, you, you get connected to all these other people, and then the word just spreads or whatever, your network keeps spreading. Yeah. And it's the same thing. You have this core group, and then because of all our linkages with all these other factions, if I call it that, it just starts spreading, and then you have another core group that gravitates toward it and just spreads like wildfire. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, this shows how, as an industry, how very innovative you can be if you just let folks just network naturally um, and recognize the true value of things. Um, so yeah, I mean, it worked really well. Yeah, it's going to be a big part of it, like the 5G movement. 
Oh yeah. Well, GI Lancer is, if anything's prime for like service <laughs> chaining and virtual, sure. that's like the most obvious one. Um, and then it just evolves. Well, obviously my camera skills, a little bit of work, but I think we got some great insight there from Margaret on AT&T's plans as it moves towards virtualization. And some great insight also into what the company's looking for in terms of vendor support and its move towards virtualization. Well, again, thanks for joining us on this week's NFESD and Reality Check, and make sure to check us out again next week. Thanks for watching. NFVSDN Reality Check with Dan Meyer is a production of RCR-TV. To suggest show topics or to reach Dan, you can find him on email, dmeyer at rcrwireless.com, and on Twitter at Meyer underscore Dan. For more Dan, news on NFVSDN and everything wireless, find your way over to rcrwireless.com.